The Shepherd in the Shrink podcast can only happen with your support. Please go to patreon.com, search for the Shepherd in the Shrink podcast and find all kinds of cool stuff that we have in store for you. I think there are so many people who think they can't come back. They're too far gone. But, you know, after looking at John Mark and looking at what we can determine from these disparate accounts of who he is or who he was with or what he had done, I just want to say to you, you can come back too. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology. Or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Matt Hook, and I am the shepherd half of the Shepherd and the Shrink. And Dr. Marty couldn't be with us today, but I'm so glad that I can just check in with you and have a conversation with you because... There is so much going on, and I wanted to share with you kind of an interesting thought that I've had. You know, we are approaching basically the one year of the shutdown here in the United States for the COVID pandemic, and I hate to even call it an anniversary because it's been such a challenging year, and this race for a vaccine and the race for a rescue of people and the stuff coming out about nursing homes, just the stuff coming out about the mental health and and the challenges, the relational challenges. I know that I've had when we all don't agree on how to do Thanksgiving or when we don't all agree with our loved ones or our closest friends are on different pages in terms of how we're handling all of this. And I just wanna take a step back because I think that there is an answer. I think there is a rescue. You know, this it's almost like a race, really. And personally, it's been kind of a race for me to recover my sanity, I guess, if you want to put it. You know, the shutdown happened. There was a few days I was like, oh, and my schedule cleared a lot and things are being taken off my calendar left and right. Maybe that happened for you too. Maybe you're struggling with boredom. Maybe you're struggling with loneliness. You're struggling with conflict. And for me, it took a long time. It hit me hard. And it was really kind of this race for putting healthy practices back in my life, putting rhythm back into my life. At first, it sounds so great to think, oh, I can stay home in my pajamas. But there's so much that um, that got taken away. And that's not the way to live. And it is interesting as I've been thinking about the idea of a rescue operation, because I love rescue operation stories. You know, the, the nine 11 rescues were so powerful at the world trade centers. And I think about in 2010, there were those miners trapped in Chile and there was just whatever 30 plus inch little shaft that they had to go down and bring everybody up from thousands of feet below the surface of the earth. One by one, imagine being the last guy rescued and and yet it was this incredible, incredible story because everyone got rescued. Then in 2018, there was the soccer team in Thailand. Remember that one? That's one of the greatest rescue stories, rescue operations in history. I looked it up because it really impacted me. On June 23rd, the 12-member soccer team and their coach, they were trapped 
two and a half miles deep in a cave in Thailand for 10 days. They were stranded. Their food was gone. Their light was gone. Imagine that moment when two British divers came up out of the murky cold water to find the 13 guys perched in the dark, alive, but very, very weak. And then it was not until July 7th, the boys write letters to their families. And then in the rescue, one diver lost his life among the hundreds of people that were working to save them. And boy by boy, they were rescued through these narrow tunnels and these steep slopes. And by July 10th, all the boys ended up safe and rescued. That's so gripping to us. What is it about these rescue stories that hits us so hard? And especially as you think about the fact that an awful lot of us could use some rescue, not just from the pandemic, but rescue from ourselves in some ways. And it's this amazing story of courage. A rescue involves that. It involves self-giving for somebody else. It involves adventure and rescue. And, you know, it's an amazing story like that of courage and excitement because it's always told after the rescue. So you know how it ends. That's why it's an amazing story, unless it's you, right? Unless it's how you're feeling about your life today, if you're the one in need of rescue. Maybe it's almost like a metaphor of those boys in the cave is how you feel in your life today. You could be feeling in the dark or unnoticed or forgotten without a way out of your current mess. You know, the situation that has caused you to end up in whatever that cave and whatever it looks like for you. Maybe it's that you can't get to the people close to you or that they tend to overlook you or worse, that maybe it even feels like God doesn't see you. Maybe your cave is that you weren't born into the right family or you weren't born with the right talents or maybe it's because you're just mediocre. You're not active enough or you're not quick enough or you're not serious enough or that you've messed up too much for God to do much with you besides, I don't even know, forgive you or something. And I just want to say, if you think that you're not alone, you are in that cave with a lot of people, a lot of people who think, they've been passed by. A lot of people who think that God couldn't use them because they've messed up. Maybe for this pandemic, it's the same thing. And so for this episode of The Shepherd and the Shrink, I want to do a Bible study with you. You know, the Bible is made up of 66 ancient documents written over 1,600 years. People who wrote it, the authors were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And, um, so we trust it. it was written on three different continents. It was written in three different languages. The languages are Hebrew and there's some Aramaic, which is the ancient Arabic language in the Old Testament, the New Testament written in Greek. And so I want to do a Bible study with you. I want to look at a young man who is a bit like that. You know, we get small glimpses of him through the New Testament. Most of the time he's a sidekick or he's second banana or he's an assistant or he's barely noticeable. One time he causes a lot of trouble for the big dogs. His name is John Mark or just Mark. Here's what we know because we meet him by name in the book of Acts chapter 12, verse 12. So that means Jesus was killed. He was buried. He rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven. The church receives the gift of the Holy Spirit 50 days. That's God with every believer, not just the leaders. God with every believer in the presence of Christ, the mind of Christ with them when they put their faith in Christ. That happened 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, 10 days after he ascended to heaven. And the church receives this gift of the Holy Spirit and the church catches fire in Jerusalem. 
thousands of people realized their need for God and that Jesus was who he said he was. And thousands of people come to faith. But after a little while, the Jewish leaders and the political leaders in Jerusalem, this all takes place in a real city, you guys. The Jewish leaders and the political leaders, they are feeling threatened by this new message. It's like a new movement. You know, we've had so many movements over the last year, and it can feel sort of threatening. One of the 12 disciples, James, is killed. And Peter himself, the right-hand man of Jesus when he was on earth, was thrown in prison to be next. Well, what happens in us meeting who this young guy, John Mark, is, is the night before Peter's trial, he's sitting in prison, and an angel rescues him. Peter's confused, but he's free. And so we pick up in Acts chapter 12, verse 12. Here's what it says. Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. The mother of John, also called Mark. Peter went to that house after he is set free from this prison where he was in a cell in Jerusalem, waiting his trial. And there are many people who had gathered there and they were praying for Peter. So John Mark grew up in that house, and he apparently knew a lot of the apostles and the other Christian leaders at that time. John Mark knew Peter. And at the end of the letter of 1 Peter in the New Testament, Peter calls him my son, Mark. You know, we don't know how old he was during this time. Maybe he was a teenager, 14 or 15 years old. This was just a couple of years after Jesus, making it about 37 or 38 A.D., well, a few verses later in Acts chapter 12, we encounter John Mark again. Paul had been converted to Christianity, and Paul was in Antioch, north of Jerusalem. One of the great Antioch leaders, Barnabas, a well-loved and respected leader, befriended Saul, which was a big deal because Saul, who was later the Apostle Paul, the one that we heard so much about, he was a major persecutor of Christians until his conversion. When Barnabas was asked to take money from Antioch, from the Antioch church to the Jerusalem church, he took Saul. And when they had completed their mission there, they returned to Antioch. And Acts chapter 12, 25 says, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned to Antioch from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. The next thing we know at the beginning of Acts 13 is Barnabas and Saul set sail for Cyprus. That's the big island on the east side of the Mediterranean Sea. And this is where Barnabas was from. And they go there to, to plant new Christian communities. The two men took with them, yeah, you guessed, John Mark. He was to be their helper or their assistant. And their first stop was on the coast in Perga. And as they begin their work, there's an odd line in verse 13, 13 of the book of Acts. John Mark, however, left them and returned to Jerusalem. Well, Barnabas and Saul continue their church planting trip, and they end back in Antioch. And meanwhile, the church in Jerusalem down south has come under persecution, and people are being killed, and Christians are being imprisoned. And after some time back in Antioch, now we're in Acts 15.36, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the new believers in all the towns where we preached and the word of the Lord and see how they were doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, John Mark again, with them. But Paul didn't think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose a guy named Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So Paul went through Syria and Sicilia, 
strengthening the churches. In other words, Paul said, not on your life. I am not going through that again. And it got U-G-L-Y ugly. Right in the Bible, between Christ followers, between leaders in the church, first century Christians, you know, it seems to me they're not supposed to get all worked up. They're not supposed to get so bitter and they're not supposed to disagree, right? That's what we think today. What John Mark did must have been big when they were on the island of Cyprus. Paul calls it desert, desertion. Can't you see Barnabas saying something like this? Listen, if John Mark doesn't go, then neither do I. And that's it. This great missionary team of, of, of Paul and Barnabas broke up over John Mark. And these were close friends. Paul owed Barnabas everything. And we have no idea what Barnabas and Mark did after that. Because the text follows Paul and Silas journeys. Based on the dates that scholars have figured out on their first journey, Mark would have been in his mid-20s or a little older. Again, he seems to disappear. And then approximately 10 years pass. Now it's 60 or 61 AD. Remember, if Jesus was born about 0 AD, he lived to be 33. So we're talking just 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So it's 60 or 61 AD, which would make John Mark about 40 years old now. And Paul's trips are over. He's in prison in Rome. And now he's writing letters from prison at that time. Several of those letters survive to today, 2,000 years later. One is to the Christ followers in this place called Colossae. And the other is a short personal letter to a man named Philemon. And then there's two letters to Timothy. Paul wrote all these letters from prison. It makes me wonder, would I be willing to go to prison for anything, let alone my faith? But here's the powerful thing. At the end of each of these letters, Paul writes a brief line. To the Colossians, he writes this. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And you can look all these up online or you can look them up in the Bible. That's Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Mark's back in the picture with Paul. And then Paul goes on to say, you've received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Instructions. I think Paul's saying whatever you heard about John Mark, which was probably from Paul himself, it's in the past. Paul says, forget it welcome him. That just blows me away. This guy that he felt abandoned him, he has now obviously forgiven and not just forgiven him, but reconciled with him. We talk about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. They both reconciled with each other. And now they're working side by side, shoulder to shoulder again. So Paul's saying, whatever you heard about John Mark, it's in the past. Paul says, forget it and welcome him. And then at the end of Philemon's letter, Written in the Roman prison in Rome, Paul writes this in verse 24. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. And there it is, Mark's listed among the inner circle of Paul. And then in Paul's second letter to Timothy, just before his death, this is the last recorded correspondence we have from Paul to anybody. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, in verse 411, just before his death, Paul says this, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful in my ministry. Get Mark. Get Mark. He is looking for Mark. What happened over that 10-year stretch, we can only guess. Did Paul realize how harsh he had been in Antioch? 
did he write to Mark and fix things? Or did John Mark realize what a mistake he had made and write to Paul? Did Mark ask for another chance? We can only speculate. But at the end of Paul's life, now this is 64, 65 AD. This is under Emperor Nero of Rome. Mark was there with Paul, perhaps even to the end when Paul would have died. How cool is that? And it just goes to show you that wherever you are, whatever cave you're in, whatever mistakes you've made, whatever choices you've allowed to overwhelm you in your life, that God is a God of second chances. But the story's not over. After Paul's death, now this is about 65, between 65 and 70 AD, the Romans go on a rampage. Remember, they had taken over that whole part of the world. They were the military power, the superpower of the first century. And they go on a rampage. They are killing all the Christ followers. Christ followers are fleeing out of the city of Rome itself. And there's documentation outside of the Bible about this happening. And the Roman military machine goes to this little country of Palestine, where Jerusalem is, and the Roman army destroys it. The Jewish temple itself was destroyed in 70 AD and to this day has never been rebuilt. You know, if you ever see in Jerusalem the Wailing Wall and you see the Orthodox Jews praying or leaning back and forth when they, when they pray, that wall is not the wall to the temple. That's simply the wall to the, the mount that the temple was built on. And that's where one of the great mosques is built today. What happened in 66, between 66 and 70 AD is the Jews were massacred. And there was not a Jewish state until 1948. Christians and Jews ran for it when the Roman war machine came on and they spread out, they scattered. But because the country and the capital city were being destroyed, some scholars believe there was a need for someone to pull together what had been a lot of diverse writings and stories and letters and memories about Jesus and his life in that very area. And here's what's interesting. Tradition tells us that one person stepped up, a man about 50 years old who had been a lifelong Christ follower. And on top of lots of records, this man is thought to have been translating for the Apostle Peter as Peter made his way from Jerusalem up around the Mediterranean through what we call modern day Turkey and Greece, Macedonia, all the way to Rome. And when Peter made his way to Rome, Peter, who was a Jewish fisherman, did not speak the language of Rome. He did not speak Greek at the time. And so what happened was Peter needed a translator and the man who knew the stories and the teachings and the sayings. And that man's name was John Mark. And what John Mark produced in the heat of a turbulent time was what we know today as the Gospel of Mark the first of the Gospels on which our other Gospels, Matthew and Luke and even John, were based. It was John Mark that rose to that awesome task. The same Mark who was overshadowed, who deserted Paul early in his life, who caused so much grief that he split up the great Paul and Barnabas missionary team. Mark, who after what appears to have been years of separation from Paul, came back to write the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the world has never been the same. That's the story of John Mark, this hero 
who came back from being overlooked, who came back from failure, who came back from mistakes. You know, so many of us think we can't come back. I think there are so many people who think they can't come back. They're too far gone. But, you know, after looking at John Mark and looking at what we can determine from these disparate accounts of who he is or who he was with or what he had done, I just want to say to you, you can come back too. I can come back too. Even if this has been a crap load of a year for you, you can come back. And here's why. Because as Christ followers, we believe, I as, as a pastor believe, God's not done. Let me say that again. God's not done. God's not done with you yet. God's not done with your family yet. God's not done despite your failures, despite your painful mistakes, despite your humiliation, despite the fact that you were in some cave needing rescuing, the cave you built yourself or that you had gotten there yourself. And God's not done with you. Mark came back after all that. He reconciled with Paul and out of all of it created a gospel. And if plain old overshadowed by the greats, John Mark can do it, then I believe you and I can do it too. You know, I remember worrying about that because my dad has a pretty unique story. He was a major league pitcher for the Reds and the Mets from 57 to 64. You can go look him up, Jay Hook. And I thought, oh man, he's done some really cool stuff. Then he got into business. Then he got into leadership and has helped churches as a layman do some amazing stuff. He still is on the board at Traverse City for the hospital up there. And I thought, what could I ever do to measure up for that? Measure up to that. And you know what? If plain old overshadowed by the greats John Mark can do it, then so can I. And so can you. And I know you know the Mark experience, because we all do. The desertions, the failures, the sidetracking, the regrets, the stuff you wish you did, the stuff you wish you hadn't done. You've lived it, and I've lived it. Mark was not old when he wrote his gospel, but he wasn't young either. And I'm just here to tell you, 50 is the new 30. <laughs> Mark wrote his gospel in midlife. Mark wrote his gospel in midlife or older. And, you know, I know some people who began writing their gospel at 65 years old or above. When the world is telling you to retire, you're just getting revved up. And that's right where I think God would want you. The point is, it's never too late to write your own gospel. You may be the only Bible that some people ever read. They need to know about the forgiveness and the grace and the second chances of God. And here's the deal. You can start now. But you can't start two weeks from now because you're not there yet. You start today. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That means it's not your day. It's not my day. This day. And on whatever day it is that you might happen to onto this podcast, this day is God's day. This moment that you are receiving this message from this overlooked guy's life who turned around and wrote his gospel of Jesus. Don't waste an experience. No matter what you've done, what you've lived through, what you're still trying to survive, you can write your own gospel and you can leave a legacy for Jesus Christ. Don't waste an experience. Out of all of it, even the crazy stuff, God can write a beautiful book, a beautiful testimony that points people to him, a beautiful gospel using your life if you'll give it over to him. 
What does a gospel written in 2021 look like? That's when I'm recording this, at least. Well, today in our society, we can write it by living a life of generosity. You don't often see that. Maybe we write a gospel with our lives of humility or of kindness or of courtesy or of vision. Maybe you begin a new group. I know a small group from a church in Traverse City that that have used some of Marty's and my conversations for their Bible study, for their weekly home group that they have up there, their small group. Maybe you are writing a gospel that reaches somebody that hasn't been reached yet. Loving people, even strangers. Maybe God's going to use you and your gospel of Jesus Christ to reach someone who's never before had a community like that. We write our gospels today by how we handle our resources, big and little. That's one of Marty's big talks. You have been empowered even when you've been wiped out and maybe what you need is rest. You're still empowered to make a difference and to be positive in somebody's life. And then think about this in an age of accumulation, which even with the challenges of 2021, people are buying stuff more than ever. In an age where people are running scared, where people are hoarding. Remember the toilet paper a year ago? Blow people out of the water with your generosity. Use your stuff for God's purposes. That includes your home. Help poor people who are in need and mention Jesus when you do it. It's one of the healthiest things you can do is you point people to something beyond yourself. Plug in. There is somebody who needs you and they need your life writing out what it looks like following Jesus. If you do one of these things, you're writing a very important gospel. Your version of the gospel is literally the Bible with skin on it, if you want to put it that way. You know, we also write our gospels by being there. You know how unique it is for people to gather, especially these days, but when you find ways to do it, whether it's worship, whether it's to pray together, don't let that stop you. So much of life is waiting to be lived on the other side of awkward. You know, being part of a church community is really powerful, but don't just go to be entertained or filled up. Go to a place where you can give something too, where you could look around and say, hey, I could be friends with these people because life is best with community. And I'm not saying turn into an extrovert if you're an introvert. Churches write gospels today, groups of people bound together by faith, hope, and love. And we write gospels by our commitment to making it happen. Imagine if Mark thought, oh, there's an idea. I should take all of these different things and write them down so people after the time of Jesus would still know about Jesus. That's what Mark did. Imagine how good it could be if all of us realized that it really isn't too late. No matter how much rescuing, no matter how dark the cave is that we were in. Imagine how good it'd be if all of us realized that it really isn't too late. And if we began reflecting Christ to one another, telling the story of God within our own stories, to our coworkers, to little league coaches, to trainers, to teachers, to friends, to children. You know, they say the universe isn't made up of atoms. It's made up of stories. Let your life be part of the story that is big enough to give your life to it. The fact is, by faith in Christ, you've been rescued. Now get your proverbial pens out and start writing. Hey, let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this crazy opportunity to to be the shepherd and the shrink and to be a part of that by 
sharing, by listening, by supporting. But I thank you, God, even more that when we needed rescuing, when we felt forgotten, when we felt overlooked, when we felt like nothing more than a small sidekick, you fully knew that there was more in us than meets the eye. I pray, God, for people who are struggling, for people who feel like they're in a dark cave, for people who are bored day after day after day, looking at the same four walls and the ceiling, looking for light in their life. And I thank you, God, that you do not leave us there, but that you rescue us. And not only do you rescue us, you rescue us for something. Thank you, God, for John Mark and for his witness, for his testimony, for his gospel that he took the courage to write, even though he had been a failure, even though he had been overlooked, even though he had caused problems. God, reconciliation, forgiveness, and new life is available for the people who follow you. We give up our lives to take yours on and to tell your story. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for being here. And I hope that you'll continue to join us. We've got some great episodes coming up. If you like what you're hearing, join us at Patreon. You can talk to us personally there, get cool merchandise and exclusive video content and more. Just go to patreon.com and search for the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can get involved for as little as $1 a month. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.